Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Circle Graphics. Today's podcast guest is Ian Dalmore, sneakerhead, father of triplets, and vice president of digital growth at Lamar Advertising. Welcome to the show, Ian. Hey, Dave. It's a pleasure being back with you. Ian, how have improved data tools help Lamar communicate with its advertising clients during the COVID crisis? Yeah, so as you know, and a lot of your listeners may know, Lamar has a large sales force. We have over a thousand reps across the U.S. So obviously data has played a huge role in the change and just changing the perception that the entire U.S. has to come to a screeching halt. You and I both know that's not the case. Mm -hmm. So one of the tools that we've been able to use was Geopath and its daily mobility tool. And the ability for us to share this out at the local level all the way up to our national clients, that was key for us. Mm -hmm. And what that tool does is it helps us compare kind of daily miles traveled in every CBSA across the U.S., compared to the previous year. Mm-hmm. Really for folks, it's, hey, in Phoenix, I want to cancel my contract. And it's, well, hold on, guys. Let's let's look at what the traffic is compared. And one of the things that I love about it, Dave, is we're one of the only few mediums that finally have said, hey, we're on a negative decline, mm-hmm. but now we're starting to see an uptick. And, mm-hmm. and in my mind, that shows transparency. And you know what we've seen is over the last few weeks, we've seen an increase across all 50 states compared to the previous week beginning in April 13th. The other thing that we've done is we've looked at a a lot of other different data sets from other large data providers, whether that's Cubic, Google Analytics, and others. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, during this time, it's helped us really take a step back and look at, you know, what other data sets are out there for us to layer on top of Geopath. And I think as an industry, we've all done a great job of that. And we've, you know, we've partnered with some of the other big out-of-home players to take a look at that as well. Did I hear right on the earnings call that Sean was saying that across your markets, did he say across 80% of your markets now traffic is 75 or 80% of normal? It was some really encouraging number. Yeah, so what he's referencing is the percentage of our overall contracts to being up compared to the traffic that's out there. And what that shows is brands and advertisers, whether at the local or national level, you know, they believe in the data and they're not canceling contracts and fleeing for other media. And mm-hmm. I think that's a powerful sign for for the industry as a whole. You know, mm-hmm. we're not all have our heads in the sand to think that, hey, you know, everyone's driving around and everything's fine. But at the same breath, I think it it's a testament that people believe in the medium itself. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I think you have a bit of fear in some of the brands, some of the legacy out-of-home brands that have some pretty powerful, impactful locations. And they know the moment that they, Cracker Barrel, for example, mm-hmm. you know, they know the moment that they would potentially give up on a location or cancel a location. There's about 15 to 20 folks at any given moment in time that would die to have that location that they've had for, you know, in some cases, 15, 20 years. Yes, Ian, the automated sales platforms have been hit very hard by COVID-19. What's your take on how they're doing? Yeah, so the benefits of programmatic are also its weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is clients have the ability to pause campaigns with no contractual obligations. I personally, especially being the GM of programmatic for Lamar, I don't look at this as a negative rather than a positive. I think the flexibility to pause and unpause campaigns are very hard to come by 
in the overall media world and specifically talking about TV upfronts. They're going to be in a tough position, not only in the fact that there's not much content that's going to be able to be filmed between now and the fall, mm-hmm. but also there's a lot of upfront commitments that they're kind of going to be, brands are going to be stuck with. And I think you're going to see some significant moves in that space. But in my take is that we're beginning to see shifts in funds, you know, as cities and states come into phase one, currently I'm in at our beach house in Pensacola and and they're almost into phase two, mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing increased activities. Mm-hmm. Programmatic, it's typically impression-based campaigns based on data. Mm-hmm. And we're beginning to educate those digital buyers and DSPs that you don't have to just buy those top five DMAs for coverage, rather trust the data, purchase where your true audience is. For example, we all know getting in an airplane and traveling overseas or a, a longer flight trips as a family within the U.S. is likely going to change this summer. Mm -hmm. You know, Sean was talking about it on the earnings call and a a lot of the CEOs on their earnings calls, staycations in short four hours or less drives to national parks, beaches will kind of become the norms this summer. And I would say we, Lamar, and and the other folks in the out-of-home space are positioned for this. And the data will prove that, for example, suntan lotion brands and other essential family beach strip items can be hyper-targeted for their customers, specifically, let's say, for beach markets? And how do you use digital out-of-home to target those folks? So I, I think that the negative that's come out of this will become the positive, and hopefully we'll see more brands coming towards the out-of-home space because of flexibility that some of these programmatic automated sales platforms have provided for them. I guess what you're saying is the flexibility, just as it's allowed them to flee the market, it will allow them to get in the market very, very quickly. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, Dave, because the folks that we've seen, and, and we've had some pretty significant campaigns that were playing right up until COVID, and it's not a it's not a cancel. And we're having these conversations with these brands all the way up until today. Remax, for example, we just had our campaign pause. You know, we're going to come back. A handful of these markets are coming back. Let's wait till phase two and we'll unpause. Mm-hmm. A few of the markets are not even in phase one, so we'll keep those campaigns paused. So it, it's a bit of a unique situation, mm-hmm. but we did see the moment that we'll call it March 13th or 15th when this all kind of really hit. Mm-hmm. That's when we saw that week was not a good week for programmatic. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't a long drawn out process is my point. Mm-hmm. Now, Lamar in the past has used, I think, Five Star, Hypestack, Place Exchange, Broadsign, as programmatic ad sales partners, what can you say you've learned? Because you've been in it now, what, a, a year, a couple of years? What, what can you say you've learned? Yeah, and these are, these are great partners of ours. Uh, these supply-side partners have become a strong part of Lamar's sales mix. You know, we have local, we have regional, we have national. And over the past five-plus years, we now have significant programmatic revenue that is becoming impactful in our overall revenue. Mm-hmm. We continue to see this revenue grow year over year. And the great thing is it's capturing new clients to the at-home space, whether it's from demand side platforms or new digital agencies that have allocated to exchanges. And otherwise we wouldn't have seen that revenue. Mm. I don't expect this to change our focus with programmatic and Mm -hmm. our partners. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I think programmatic will likely be one of the first drivers that will help us come out of COVID-19. And I think a lot of that has to go back to the last question about flexibility, but also the ability to purchase space 
based on data, but also not the long planning cycle that it takes for mm-hmm. the traditional side of the business. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, we enjoy our partnerships with Vistar, Hivestack, Place Exchange, and Broadsign. And it's, you know, we've been very close talking to them throughout this whole process, just mm-hmm. as we would with our out-of-home specialist agencies and clients direct. On Lamar's first quarter earnings call, Sean Riley mentioned that Lamar guarantees impressions when it does programmatic. Ian, can you can you kind of clarify that? And also, can you talk about, do you ever think we'll get to a day when we're selling billboards based on impressions-based pricing versus four-week pricing? That was a great earnings call, if mm-hmm. I might say so, mm-hmm. Dave. You know, I know we were we were excited about Lamar's position on that call and coming out of this. Sean's point about the impressions in programmatic are ways we're starting to see traffic come back that equals impressions. Mm-hmm. I don't think it depends on the campaign, whether it's an impression-based buy in the direct side or location-specific. Mm-hmm. The KPIs of the campaign and the objective will determine that. Mm-hmm. I've always said there's a place for traditional direct and programmatic. And often we see, Dave, where they're running simultaneously. And what I mean by that is you'll see a traditional buy that happens. You know, we'll call it like a car brand. And then we'll see a programmatic buy that comes in that's hyper-targeted all the way down to, you know, a mom with two plus kids in the market to buy an SUV. Yes. And they use that data to not only now buy mobile in the past, but also sprinkle in out of home mm-hmm. at specific points in the day based on that data. Mm-hmm. Also, I think impression-based buys work in programmatic because they're buying for that impression at mm-hmm. that po- point in time mm-hmm. when they're real-time bidding. Mm-hmm. On the traditional side, it's more fixed pricing, which works best. Mm-hmm. We also, as an industry, we have to get our data right before we would potentially move into a traditional side transaction more real-time. The real time goes both ways. And what I mean by that is an increase in traffic would mean that, you know, some of these locations, there's an increase in traffic, then that price would go up for that day or that week, just as well as the decrease in traffic. I have found that that kind of is an intriguing thing that if you did go to some kind of impressions based and traffic was increasing, you could pick that up and it would would get into uh, create a sort of surplus bump in price. Yeah, and, and in the programmatic space, you know, that that's how it works. And especially now with digital out of home being in programmatic is when those impressions are in more demand, that CPM rises at that moment in time. I don't want to say that w- we won't get there, but I think it's it's really it's really a function of what the campaign's objectives are. I think also out of home specialists and buyers need to be very cautious mm-hmm. of asking for hey, we would like reduction in in rate because of impressions because of COVID-19. I think the flip side could happen is is when we come out of this, those traffic counts, and we're already seeing it, could be extremely high. And I've never heard of a, and look, they're all good friends of mine. I've never heard about a home specialist that said, hey, I'll pay you some more money because we saw an increase in traffic Mm -hmm. during that campaign. You're right. Let's take a break here for a word from Rod Rackley, president of the at-home division at Circle Graphics. Thanks, Dave. We're happy to sponsor this Billboard Insider podcast. I'm excited to be back at Circle Graphics and leading a team of really great people. We're on the move here at Circle. We acquired a highly regarded printer, MMT, last month. We're expanding our Burbank or iMagic operation. 
And we've recently invested several million dollars to upgrade our printer fleet with Flora digital presses capable of producing a 1448 in 20 minutes. Expect to hear a lot more from Circle Graphics. You know, it's true, we have an unfair advantage. We care more. And thanks to any customers out there that are listening, we really appreciate your business. Ian, what is hyperlocal messaging and why is it important in out-of-home right now? Yeah, and that's a great question. I think that this is one of the many positives that we can take away from COVID-19. I think customers are more hyper-local and, and hyper-focused than they ever have been. Mm -hmm. They want to help their local restaurants. They want to help local products and build back their neighborhoods first. You know, I know where we are in Baton Rouge, where I live, we have our restaurants that we hit up. We have our small boutiques and friends that own small businesses. And we do business with those folks because we want to build back their neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. We've always seen hyper-local at Lamar mm -hmm. because it is 80% of our revenue comes from local. Mm -hmm. But I think we'll see more national brands focused on local markets with their creative efforts. You know, for example, in South Louisiana, you may see a Walmart or a Target ad now promoting where in the past they may have just promoted some fruits or uh, produce. Mm -hmm. And now they may be promoting Ponchatoula strawberries hmm. Hmm. or Anheuser-Busch promoting, you know, products that are available only in certain markets or yes. promoting certain pubs. So I, I think, look, it's, it's the power of out of home is that you don't necessarily see powerful creative ads, but in out of home, people are, are very sensitive to the environment and where they are. And, and that changes neighborhood by neighborhood. And I would argue that national brands should be doing more hyper-local messaging. And, and I think now they, without a doubt, will, because mm -hmm. they understand the sensitivity of, of that message. California Consumer Protection Act, the CCPA, went into effect mm -hmm. in January, January 1st, and enforcement was scheduled, is scheduled to start in July. Ian, what's been the impact on Lamar? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that that was the big scare in the U.S. for a while. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's a, ser a serious issue that we as an industry have really done a, a great job. We continue to monitor it at Lamar and the effects that it has in the at-home business. I don't think it really affects us. And I don't mean this in uh, it's no big deal, CCPA or GDPR. Mm -hmm. I, I really say that more because I think the industry has done such a great job of using anonymous device ID data with our measurement partners. And whether that's Geopath or, or other data partners. Mm -hmm. You know, I know Geopath is CCPA compliant, as well as a lot of our other measurement partners throughout the industry. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I would say about that is, you know, we've done our due diligence within Lamar, where we've went through all of our data partners that we partner with. And, you know, we go through their compliancy with GDPR and CCPA. But I would encourage anyone who's working with a data measurement partner mm -hmm. to take a deep look. That should be the first question is, hey, can I see your compliance? Mm -hmm. One of the things that we've actually done is we have a, a very simple legal doc that we ask those partners to sign off on, mm -hmm. and we make sure that they're, they're staying up to date. I think it's become such a big thing mm -hmm. for good reason that even the data companies that exist that are out there today, most of them you can't even log on to their website without click here to see our CCPA. I mean, yep. Wow, yep. you can't even, I don't even know if you can go to your podcast without even having a click that right. you may have cookie compliances. <laughs> so I think it's a great thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other privacy trends that you're watching that could influence out of home? 
Yeah, I think as long as we continue down this path that we're on, I think we sh- it shouldn't affect us. Now, some of your listeners, as well as yourself, may, may know that's one of my passion things is the deep future of out of home. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a day when, you know, you walk past a bus shelter that is synced up with all devices and maybe your watches. So mm-hmm. it could trigger a message because you burned, you know, 500 calories on your run. Therefore, that digital triggers a one-to-one message for a muscle milk ad. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would say as much as I would love for those days to come sooner, mm-hmm. I think we're far from that. I think it just becomes an acceptance of society. Yes. But I think in the out-of-home space, we're, we're far from that. Maybe autonomous vehicles and how they interact with digital out-of-home in the future. But mm-hmm. again, I think as long as they're as simplistic as it sounds, as long as there's that okay, I agree. Mm-hmm. And people have the ability to know what you're doing with their data. Yes. I think people are fine with it. But just tell me and, and give me transparency. I think also we have to be very, very careful if we are tailoring ads, very careful what sort of ads mm-hmm. we're allowing to be tailored. I, <laughs> I for instance, wouldn't want yeah. an erectile dysfunction or a very private personal healthcare ad to be following yeah. me down Madison Avenue. We have to be mm-hmm. very, very careful as to what kind of content we're choosing to let be personalized or what kind of ads. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the target having two daughters, young yes. daughters. Yes. Yes. Correct. The target ad with yeah. campers. Yeah. Where right. The father got the, the diaper. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, not a good thing. It's a little bit invasive or over-targeting. Ian, if you could change anything about how agency buying of outdoor works, out-of-home works, what would you change? Yeah. So, and I love this question. I think more, and I'm going to clarify my comment. I think more transparency and access to the brands they represent. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is the more access to the briefs and more collaboration with the agency to go, you know, side by side to present why out of home with ideas. I think that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are some agencies that do this today and they're amazing. They're they're true partners, but I wish more did this. We have to move away from the spreadsheet world of transaction mm-hmm. and out of home is so much more than a location on a map and a rate. Mm-hmm. And I think often it's, and look, if I'm on the agency side, you know, the, the margins are very thin. So, you know, getting it right is important. But one of the other things that I'm excited about is a handful of the other large format out of home specialist agencies, they're moving towards more towards automation in the RFP process. Hurrah. They're building out dashboards. Yeah. And, and look, that's, I can't say hurrah enough, but that, that happens by the vendor exposing its panel information to the agency da- dash- dashboards. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. that does is that frees up these agency planners and buyers from the day to day, just spreadsheet world right. to a more, interaction and selling through the power of out of a home. And most importantly is now we can talk about the technology. We could talk about the creativity of our medium, which is the true driver. I think we're very, very close to this. And look, Mm -hmm. we're, we're all in talks. And if you're an out of home specialist and you don't have a dedicated dashboard, there's plenty of automated platforms that are developing to partner with. But yes. I think that we're very close. And I think once we get there, the first part of my answer is the briefs and just the collaboration and brainstorm. Mm-hmm. That used to be my most favorite part of, of my previous job at Lamar was just taking a brief and dissecting it 
and just playing the what if game. Like, what if we could do all these amazing things and yes. then going in and presenting it? That That's what we're, we as an industry are good, good at. Yeah, we could spend more time on yeah. creative than that long. To me, automating, hopefully what it would get rid of also, one of my things I hate the most is holds. It's like you talk yeah. with an agency, hey, what boards do you have? Oh, by the way, would you put this on hold for four weeks or, or six weeks? I'm yeah. thinking, no, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do that because it's a wasting asset. Mm-hmm. And if you, you, you're not committing to buy, why should I commit to hold this availability? I mean, imagine if an airline, the only way that we could, you know, we would buy a ticket and order a ticket from the airline and say, oh, by the way, I, wanna, I want a uh, six-week hold on this and I may not buy it. I want to be able to cancel it any time. That's sure. that's my other peeve. My other pet peeve is basically, how can I say this? Saying what you mean. How often have we mm-hmm. been in this scene where it's like, okay, we're going to do a 12-week flight. Give me your price, your best price, 12-week flight. And mm-hmm. so you give a good price based on 12 weeks. And then it comes back, oh, change our mind. It's only going to be four weeks. But we want that price for four weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Say what you mean and do it is kind of my thought. Yeah. Don't change the rules midstream. So, Yeah, and I, I think in, in, in the defense of the out-of-home specialists, I think they're, you know, they're, they're caught up so much in, in what their planning efforts are that they're being pulled a thousand directions by, mm-hmm. by agencies, you know, holding codes within, and, and they're having to make the decisions. And, and, and out-of-home often is, is the last thing that they think about and you know, our friends at the out-of-home specialist side, they're fighting for, for us. And mm-hmm. these platforms allow them to be more nimble and say, you know what, to your point, you know, we have access to inventory. Let's plan this out. We can see everything that's, that exists in the out-of-home space in Pittsburgh or Cleveland. Let's plan it out. We'll talk internally. We'll talk to the brands internally, agencies internally. We'll pitch this internally. And the moment that we're ready to buy... Mm-hmm. We have all this inventory on our platform and we can click and buy. So I think a lot of the nuances and, and the, the frustrations that happen aren't necessarily the, the out-of-home specialist's fault. Mm-hmm. They're more because it's just the, the process that they have to go through is painful. And, and I think it, it's exciting now that you have vendors that are participating in this and you're having out-of-home specialist agencies that are saying, hey, there's a lot of automated platforms that are coming in between the vendor, the agency, and the client. Mm-hmm. Let's let's remove that completely. And, you know, our friends at PosterScope, our friends at Kinetic, our friends at Omnicom, our friends at Horizon, mm-hmm. Hayworth, they're all now saying, let us control the conversation with the vendor directly, mm-hmm. and we're going to be the end all. And I honestly think that we're going to find ourselves higher up in the the conversations at the holding companies, especially coming out of this COVID-19. And because people are going to be pent up demand, they're, they're going to want to be out and about. And all of a sudden, once again, the emerging princess of all of this becomes out of mm-hmm. home. So I'm, I'm excited about the near future and the future coming out of this. It's almost like a great reset for us. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Ian. Thank you, Dave. Always a pleasure. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by Circle Graphics. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple of weeks.